Hello. Hey guys. Welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. I'm thinking about changing the name of this show. I don't know exactly what I'm going to change it to yet. I have some ideas, none that seem too compelling to just, you know, drop everything and run with yet. But as I look into the future, I mean, everyone, everyone is guilty of this. I don't think guilt is even the right word. Everyone experiences this where your life goes through different phases, different chapters. You progress, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. And sometimes what you thought was a really good idea turns into something that feels Like you've grown out of it or it feels a little juvenile or it just doesn't feel as exciting as it used to. And when I look into the future and I think about like, and this is a long ways away. So I don't, I know I don't need to, I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I can't help it. As I look into the future and I think about like my kid and, you know, God forbid they have to tell their friends what their mom does and they have to say that she has a podcast called Broke Bitch Anonymous. Um, I'm not really... (laughs) that's not really the goal um it's not really a name unfortunately that I can be that proud of as much as I think it summarizes the content of this show I think I can find something that still does that and is just a little bit better and is a little bit less embarrassing and that even just goes for future sponsors for just taking this thing a little bit more seriously I feel like the phase that I was in in my life when I started this show and you know it's not like I've completely outgrown it and I think I'm some super mature nun-like figure now not at all but I think the concepts that I had when I first started this show of like I wanted to tell all these salacious stories of you know stripping and sugar daddies and making money in all these different ways um I still want to do that I just want it to be I want the name to be less embarrassing, I guess. And it's hard to justify that because a lot of my favorite podcasts or a lot of the most even successful, in my opinion, podcasts kind of also have like really inappropriate names. Like I can't help but think of Cumbtown. I don't know if anyone ever listened to that show, but it was on for a long time. I think it's off the air now. I think they... They're like in their last, I don't know if they finished yet, but it's like the last season or something like that. But there's a lot of shows, a lot of podcasts that grip you because of their unconventional name. But anyway, so I I think I might, I think I might change it. And plus there's something else to be said about I'm sorry, I never know how to approach this topic of, you know, the power of words and like quote unquote manifestation and all these things because I just don't feel qualified to talk about it. And I also do feel like it's a lot of shit. Um, Like it's the concepts are full of shit a lot of the time. But I also think that there are some there is some value to the idea that words have words hold a lot of power. I've always believed in that. I mean, that's why I'm a writer, but I also... I guess going into the future, I don't want this moniker of brokenness to be like following me around, even if it is like a joke, which is which was always the intention. Broke Bitch Anonymous. It's a it's a tongue in cheek title. And yet I can't help but feel like if I continue to call myself a broke bitch, I will somehow stay on that level more or less forever and plus to be I mean I'm being facetious but also I just think it's time to upgrade a little bit even if it's just through words I I think my life has just changed a lot I mean I'm not at the club anymore um I'm not doing any of the sugar baby shit I was doing before and to be honest with you I thought that this name would like keep a lot of men out from listening and it hasn't at all. Like I get a lot of (laughs) messages from men who listen and there's just men who I know that listen and I'm like, please stop. Like, honestly, please stop. If I could just control who listened to this show so I could be 100% honest. Now I'm getting myself into like uncomfortable waters by saying this, but like, I thought that that title would make men not want to listen and it didn't work. 
And now I just have to accept that the title did not serve its full function. And it's time to, it's time to pick something else. I have a lot of inspiration for the the next title. I just, I'm not sold on anything yet. So if anyone has any ideas, I'm not going to share any of my ideas yet because I don't feel like they're good enough. But if anyone has any ideas, um, please let me know. I wish I could just say like never broke again or something, but then I'm copying young boy, obviously, and I can't title my podcast that, but something like that would be great. I mean, it doesn't have to include the word broke. I think it would be great if it didn't include that, but, um, something, you know, with that vibe would be excellent. Anyway, moving on, I want to send out a little disclaimer from the last episode because in hindsight, reflecting back, I think I spoke about moving and traveling with a little bit too much of a positive sheen over the whole experience. I was confronted with an article pretty much right after I recorded last week's episode that talked about how people from Los Angeles and just Americans in general are moving to Mexico City and like ruining it, which I think is really funny um, because that's obviously been like Every country that experiences waves of of immigration gets mad at the immigrants coming in. No matter how inclusive you want to be, it's inevitable. And it's funny seeing like the cards reverse a little bit where, you know, for so long people have been upset for whatever their reasons are. I mean, there's a lot of reasons you can choose from, but I think people have different ones like their immigrants are stealing jobs or they're so there's so many different reasons, but Anyway, or they're, you know, they're changing the culture and they don't have respect for the history of the, le- like this, you could go on forever. But um, obviously the story has been reversed for a very long time where Americans have been, you know, upset with Mexicans. Most, I mean, not, I'm not, not all Americans, but just the whole situation with the Mexican border and people coming into the country and, you know, things being not in English and jobs being taken and you know whatever which is uh, a lot of those are stupid arguments I think because a lot of Mexicans that come here are very 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 hard working and do jobs that Americans don't want to do for the most part but it's funny seeing the cards reversed <laughs> and all of these like Silicon Valley people and tech nomads digital nomads moving to Mexico City and pretty much ruining it but actually probably making it worse because I think Tim Dillon said this he had an episode about this that he put out pretty much exactly after I talked about how great moving was I'm like damn it was so funny I wish I had listened to it before I put that episode out but he's pretty much like yes you send us your best people and we send you your our worst (laughs) that's the deal um, and that's pretty much what it is, because there's a lot of there's a lot of people who have moved to Mexico City. And, you know, I'm talking mostly about like white women like myself who move down there and start like life coaching businesses or whatever they do, some very stereotypical entrepreneurial business and no hate to that. But it is a little bit cringy when you zoom out and look at it and I think you have to also acknowledge the fact that people who move to different countries or cities or whatever, there are a lot of people that fall into this unfortunate category that decide that moving can count as their entire personality. Like kind of how there's people who decide that astrology can count as their entire personality or crystals or, you know, all of those other niche-ish interests. I think people can decide that traveling and moving constantly can also count as their entire personality. And I just think it's so boring and one dimensional. And there's a very kind of privileged glean over the whole thing that needs to be acknowledged. So when we talk about moving and the importance of it, well, not necessarily the importance of it, but how it can actually benefit you if you want to move, Uh, I think we also have to acknowledge how awful some people who take a lot of pride in moving constantly can be. Um, So that's all I wanted to say on that. I do think it's hilarious that a lot of Americans are moving to Mexico City now. 
Honestly, though, I think it's going to continue globally where people are going to continue to move to different countries, to different places. And I don't think there's very much we can do to stop it. It's probably the only part of globalism, quote unquote, as I guess you would have to call it, that I think is a kind of okay thing. I mean, I think that you can't just open a border and let whoever wants to come in, in. I think you need to choose people who are smart and might benefit a society. But when I look at the immigration systems around the world, a lot of them are very, very broken and improving them in order to allow more, I don't know, willing and able and smart people to, and respectful people to enter a country. I don't see how that would hurt. And I think that as the world changes, even with now like the vaccine mandates and stuff and people are realizing that, you know, they don't necessarily agree with their country's rules. Like, for example, in Canada, where they still have pretty strong vaccine mandates, thankfully they they repealed the mandates that required all citizens and everyone in the country to be vaccinated to even get on a train, a, a domestic train, a domestic flight, a domestic anything you had to be vaccinated, which was crazy. Um, so effectively a lot of people who were not vaccinated in the country were stuck. Like my mom couldn't move, um, talk about coercion, but I think as more people realize that they don't necessarily even agree with the direction that their country is going in as our countries seem to be going in more opposite and spread apart and wild, unpredicted directions. I just feel like more people are going to be moving around the world. And I think it's a good thing, but it's definitely something that people should be conscious of. The fact that you can go into a new place and be an absolute horror to that place. And there isn't any right way to do it. It's not just like a simple, you know, instruction of, well, be respectful when you're in a new culture. It's more complicated than that, I think. See, I want to believe that I've always done it right, but I think that's just my own self-bias. I'm sure when I was in, like, Japan or wherever the fuck, like, parts of South America or Europe, that people looked at me like this fucking white American bitch because everyone always thinks that that's what I am when I am anywhere overseas, but... There's no real instructions on how to do it right. I think you just have to not only be there for yourself. I'm not sure if that if that makes sense. I feel like if you're going to a new place only with the purpose to improve your life and it's all for very selfish reasons, you might have a bad time. But if you're more open to learning from the new people around you and not making it all about yourself, I think you'll have a better time and your presence will be more accepted within that culture. That's the only way I can really think to put it. So anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that when it comes to movement around the globe, don't just go flying everywhere thinking you're this shit because you can buy a flight ticket and a new lease in some new city. Unfortunately, it's just going to make you more of a nightmare, probably. On another note, I also really want to bring this up. I probably should have brought this up first. I just don't know. I don't know how to talk about it. I don't even want to acknowledge that it's true, but obviously it is. And I also don't want my bringing it up to sound like I'm trying to make any kind of point or teach any kind of stupid lesson. Um, That is not the case at all. When I heard this news, I had a lot of thoughts and emotions about it. And I almost wanted to run downstairs and record an episode right away because I wanted to let people know what the fuck was going on. And I also felt like it personally really affected me. And then I was like, that's gross. This is not about you at all. So just calm the fuck down. But anyway, my friend Fruity, AKA Alania Lenoir is missing. She has been missing for about 10 days now. 
She was last seen the last Saturday of July at an apartment building in Midtown. It was late at night. I think after midnight, um, there were two men that apparently were seen with her at different times. Both of them were pointed out to me and to, it seemed like, the rest of social media. I don't know what happened, obviously. Um, I think it was unfortunate because when she went missing, ATL Scoop, which is a big Instagram platform here in Atlanta, that kind of just reports, you know, local news, stuff that's going on local just chaos that happens in Atlanta because this is the most chaotic city I've ever lived. I swear to God, like I literally see people driving down the highway backwards and ATL scoop will post stuff like that. Um, ATL scoop posted about it, which was great because it created some, it created a lot more exposure for fruity, but because of, I guess what she did for work, which is like, I know her from the club. She is one of the, I'm not just saying this, like, realist most genuine smartest people that I have met in the club which is almost even besides the point because this doesn't nobody deserves this to happen to them but the fact that it's fruity is just extra fucking heartbreaking hopefully all of our hearts can be unbroken soon and she just comes home and everything is okay but it has been 10 days now and I can only imagine how her family feels and I'm praying for them but it was unfortunate because like because of what we do work at the strip club sex work whatever you want to call it i mean any type of stripping even if you're not even being touched or anything falls under the umbrella of sex work i don't know why i'm spelling it and not just saying it it's not like i'm putting this episode out on youtube or something like that but anyway I guess because of that, there were some people who were like, oh, well, you know, that lifestyle, you got to be careful and blah, blah, blah. And listen, that is true. That is absolutely true. As strippers, we have put ourselves in dangerous situations, I think, more than most of us care to acknowledge. Definitely more than I've cared to acknowledge. And I was really, really naive to it, I think, for a long time. I think that's probably even what allowed me to make money is my stupid my stupidity and now when I look back on the situations that I put myself in and how unsafe some of them were because I thought I could read people or I thought I was smart or whatever I feel sick like I genuinely feel ill but the point is that this could legitimately happen to anyone like it doesn't matter if you're a stripper, if you work at a grocery store, if you're fucking going to get groceries and coming back to your car, like this could literally happen to anyone. And that's why it hit home so hard. I mean, obviously it hit even closer to home because this is somebody that I know personally. And like, I don't know, it literally could have been me, but it could have been any of us. It truly could have been any of us. So there's no lesson here. If you've seen Alania, AKA Fruity, please go to my Instagram. Actually, even if you haven't, just please go to my Instagram at Claudia Millions and I have her missing poster posted. Look at her face, rack your mind. If you have seen her anywhere, even if you're not in Atlanta, any state, like God knows where she is, just look at her face and just rack your mind of if there's any possibility that you saw her anywhere, any information, call the police or just message me and I will call them. Just any information would help so much. And I, I mean, it's, it's a terrible situation because you just feel so helpless. Like what can you do really? The, I think the, one of the most frustrating things is allegedly the apartment complex that she was last seen at. They have security footage, you know, because most apartment buildings and stuff have cameras in the hallways and all of that. And apparently they are refusing to release the footage. I think they just released it to the police, but they're not releasing it to the general public. So like her family and stuff can't see it, um, which is really disheartening. I mean, I, I guess part of me understands 
because they don't want like a witch hunt underway for some people or something. But at the same time, I do think it's a bit inhumane and I can only imagine how frustrated her family must be. And I also just like, I mean, to not have faith, like I want to have faith in the police, but I just can't at this point. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I hope that they can figure it out, but it would be really nice if her family and the rest of us could see the footage um, that people I don't think have been able to last time I checked. Anyway, sorry, I had to take a break because I know you guys can't hear it because I'm secluded in the back of my house right now and I'm wearing headphones, I'm speaking into a microphone, doing everything I can to block out any external noise, but I want to give you guys a real estate tip. This is something I really, really wish I knew. If you want to see the true nature of your neighbors, if you want to actually see what your neighborhood is like, do not move in in the wintertime. You have to wait till the summer because in the winter, everyone is in their own houses. Everyone's minding their business. It's too cold to be sitting outside all day doing God knows what. So most neighborhoods seem quiet. Seems fine. In the summertime, that is when you get bamboozled. I bought my house in the winter and the seller told me he's like quiet neighborhood, gated community, just zen all, all around. I'm like, perfect. Came to see it, seemed super quiet. It just seemed chill and safe and great. Fast forward to this summer, my fucking neighbors you guys they literally sit in their garage all day every day yelling I made a TikTok about this and not about it but I put one of the clips in a TikTok that I just made recently you can hear it like I'm in my living room on the second floor they're on the first floor across the road and it's still so fucking loud and it's not even like I can hear everything they're saying. It's not even like they're talking about anything. They're just yelling. Like, I'm not going to use, I don't even know how to describe it. It's so bad and it's so annoying. And some of us have filed a noise complaint I get for to like our HOA board and they haven't changed. And it's just like, if I even were to try and sell my place right now, like they would definitely make it harder. It's so bad and it makes it hard to go to sleep it makes it annoying to wake up because you just wake up to this yelling it's this constant just annoying sound it's so fucking bad so anyway if you don't want to get bamboozled from your home purchase buy in the summer or at least go visit the neighborhood in the summer because that'll give you a really good picture go on a good friday afternoon baby or a saturday afternoon that will give you a good picture of what you're actually signing up for. Buy something in the winter, you don't know. You just don't know. You don't know till the sun comes out. You don't know till it starts being a little bit warm who you're dealing with. And not that I wouldn't have bought this place. Like, I still feel that it was the right thing to do. Obviously, like, just uh, some annoying neighbors aren't worth selling your house over plus they're not even homeowners they rent which is I think why they're so fucking annoying and they have no respect for the rest of the community but I digress um it's not worth selling your whole house over and not buying a house but it is worth it to just get an idea of what you will probably be dealing with in the future so yeah I don't know what they do all day like they just sit in the garage yelling and that's like ugh. Anyway, and it's not like I, it's not like I even have some very welcome distraction from it. I haven't been going out as much lately because every time I leave the house, I spend $100 literally and I don't buy anything. That's just the cost of doing business, aka leaving the house, like truly. Um, parking, gas, like a snack and like that's pretty much it. I don't know. $100. So because I've been trying to be 
actually pretty successfully been very frugal. This is new. This is new. I will say I was definitely being really stupid with my money up until pretty much this past weekend where I looked at my bank account and I was like, damn, I've already blown through, I would say like three quarters of my monthly budget. And at that time it was like the fifth or something like not even, it was like August 4th. And I've spent like three quarters of what I told myself I'd spend this month. So I was like, okay, I really need to reel it in. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Because if I don't reel this in, I'm going to be blowing through like I, I, I'm going to pretty much be blowing through next month's savings and I just, I can't like, I started to stress out and freak out and realize that like, I need to stop buying baby stuff for now. I need to, and by the way, if you want to figure out not just who your friends are, but like how strong you are, get pregnant, but not only get pregnant, get pregnant alone. Because not only will you have to invest a pretty substantial amount of money into baby stuff, hospital bills, all of that fun stuff, but you will also deal with the almost constant disappointment of posting your registry or sharing it and having virtually almost nobody buy anything. And it's not that any, you know, deep down, it's not that anyone owes you anything, but you also know that like, damn, you were kind of there for some other people and they're really not there for you. They're really not. And this isn't to be like some sob story or something like that. It's just what it is. So I have been buying a lot of the stuff off my own registry. I had been because I just like wanted to get things in order slightly. I don't like being the type of person that waits till the last minute and then just gets everything they need. I would rather do it over a period of time so I can like see if I like things, I can return them. I It feels almost like you're spending less money when you do it over a prolonged period of time instead of one giant lump sum. And I, I think when you rush to get everything at the end, it's easier to forget things. It's easier to just not make fully informed decisions because you have so many decisions to make versus when you take your time over the span of a few months to actually research like bassinets and strollers and all these types of things. I've honestly done so much research. I could literally do like five podcasts about pumps and bassinets, cribs, mattresses, strollers, fucking burp cloths, organic bamboo baby clothes. Like, bruh, I've done so much research and I know that that's not really relevant to most people listening to this show. So I'm not going to get too, too, too deep into it, but I was just slowly spending my savings on baby stuff, which I expected to do, but I've just realized I have to reel it in. I have to reel it in. I mean, I still have like four months. It's fine. It's not a huge rush and I need to like be more economical with my spending. And actually, usually, I feel like when I try to save money, I always end up spending more. Like, for example, if I am trying to save money, so I buy the cheaper version of something and then that thing either breaks or doesn't work the way I want it to or just doesn't satisfy like my desire for the initial thing because it's the cheap version. And then I end up having to buy another thing to supplement it or just getting the original thing I wanted. Like, for example, I can use maybe like a pair of Dior slides or something like that that costs like $750. I know that I could buy a cheaper pair of slides for $100, but I also know that they will not last as long and that eventually I'll probably crack and end up buying the Dior slides. So now not only have I spent the $750 on the, another, the, the extra pair of Dior slides that I eventually will crack and buy, but I've also probably spent two or $300 on the shoes I didn't even want in the first place. So the same principle can pretty much be applied to all baby things. But I really do generally feel like when I try to save money, it fails and I do spend more. Also, it's kind of like dieting where when you're telling yourself, oh, I can't eat this, I can't eat this, I can't eat this. It kind of makes you fixate on that thing you can't do. And usually you end up cracking and doing it anyways. And again, this has been short lived for me. It's only been a week, so I can't say too much yet. 
but I actually have been pretty good. I've been pretty good with being very frugal. And my only reason for success with that is that I haven't been going out. I actually parked my car in my garage and the garage door is like broken. Like I, ha- it's not broken, but like it's annoying to open. So when my car is in the garage, I have to like go out of my way to get to leave the house versus if I just park in the driveway, I can just jump in the car and I can just go. Um, I parked in the garage specifically because I knew it was going to be like more of an obstacle for me to leave the house. And I've also banned myself from Amazon, which is my biggest. I think everyone has their crutch. Like for some people, it's Uber Eats. For some people, maybe it's some other online shopping site. I'm not sure. For me, it's 100% Amazon. I'm such an Amazon hoe. Like I will buy something off Amazon every single day. I would buy Like I would literally buy like 10 things a day if I could. I mean, not always, but especially right now, because there's so many things you can justify that you quote unquote need with a baby that that's my biggest crutch. So I have just fully cut myself off from Amazon. I parked my car in a place that is annoying to retrieve it. So I can't really go anywhere. And obviously there's still things to do. Like if I had to go somewhere, I'll go. But there's still things to do from within the house. I can still work out. I can still like clean my fucking house, which it seems like it constantly needs cleaning. I have furniture to build. I have like work to do. I have podcasts, TikTok. I have shit to do. So I have still been, it's almost like it's less boring once you force yourself and make a decision to just be stationary if that's your choice. And you kind of then start to see all of the possibilities abilities, I guess, and things that you should and could be doing just at your house. So I've been very good with not spending a lot of money this past week. And I would recommend staying in your house if you are also in a place where you don't want to be spending a lot of money. Another thing I did, and this is obvious, is I went through all of my subscriptions to like I so many different services. I mean, we don't realize how many subscriptions we actually have like from I mean the basics like my Gmail storage, my iCloud storage, which I'm not getting rid of because like I need that. And it's not even Gmail. It's like Google Drive or something, whatever. I probably actually could get rid of that. Anyway, that's a side note. But from the basics to the dumb shit to like TV subscriptions, Amazon Prime, different subscriptions on your phone to different apps. I went through everything and I canceled literally everything except iCloud, Hulu, which is like $6 a month. I'm probably going to cancel that too though. Cause I don't, I literally don't watch it. Um, I just canceled everything and I am saving like a hundred dollars a month just from the dumb subscriptions that I never even really used. At first I was like, oh, this is going to suck. But honestly, I don't even care. I don't notice. And it feels better because if I added up like $100 a month for 12 months, that's like $1,200. So great. So anyway, don't leave your house. Cancel your subscriptions. And that is pretty much it. The only thing I've really been spending money on, the only thing I really spent money on this week, which last week was really bad because I had a lot of places to be. So I had to pay for parking in different stupid parking lots in Atlanta, which are like the biggest scams ever. Like you park for two hours and they literally charge you $20 for like a self park, like shit ass parking lot. Um, and then just going out to eat and stuff like that. It's just, and I had my friend's baby shower and I had, to, I bought her gifts, which I realized made me really resentful. Cause I was like, Oh, like, of course I want to buy my friend gifts, but then I kind of zoom out. I'm like, damn, I'm like really single, like doing this all alone, no other financial support, no two income household, nothing. And I'm buying people gifts that have like a two income household to have like a supportive partner, all this other stuff, but that's not their faults. I'm happy that I can like get things for people. I just kind of, I think it was like pregnancy hormones and everything kind of colliding. And I was like, I just kind of felt resentful. And I was like, fuck, like I'm going to make myself broke again if I don't slow down and if I don't put things into perspective and realize that like, I don't have to be like the rich bougie auntie friend all the time. I don't have to do that. I can, you don't, nobody is obligated to be that person to play that role all the time. So 
The only thing I've really spent money on this week after reflecting last week and just feeling kind of sick from like my spending um, was groceries this week. And of course, something happened when I went to the grocery store. I should have not expected it, I guess. No, it's not not expected. I just I wish I had been more prepared for it. Pretty much what happened was I went to Walmart to get groceries because that's where you go when you're trying to save money on food. That's where I go. That's the closest cheap grocery place to my house. I don't love buying groceries at Walmart. The produce quality is like ass kind of, but it's more or less if you buy like the organic stuff is cheaper and you can find some decent stuff. Um, it's more or less the same if you know what to get as like a Publix or something like that. So I go to Walmart to get groceries, especially when I want to save money. Is it my favorite place to buy food? Absolutely fucking not. Do I think about all the GMOs and like weird shit that they have put in their food? Not that they put in, but just like that is in the food by virtue of supply chains and by virtue of the fact that (sighs) the food system is broken. When I think about all of that, I'm like, I don't love shopping here, but it is a lot cheaper than literally anywhere else, except maybe like Aldi or something like that. And there's no Aldi close to me. So I'm at Walmart being very frugal. Like I am so bipolar with my spending because one day I'll be at Whole Foods buying every expensive vitamin and organic piece of fucking leave greens. And the next day I'm at Walmart buying apples that I know are full of microplastics and fucking regular chicken. I'm, I'm kidding, but I do feel like I'm very bipolar with my spending usually. And so this is, I'm in a phase when I'm at this Walmart of like, I'm, I'm giving myself a budget. I'm like, okay, $40 for the week. I feel like I can do that. Like $40. Like I think I can do it. And I did do it by the way. I mean, I, I had food at home, like some basics and stuff. So it's not like I was starting from scratch, but if you really want to, minimize your footprint at the grocery store. You can do it. You just have to be very, very, very conscious of what you're buying and go to the right places. Because last month, for example, I saw in my debit card statement, I spent about a thousand dollars on groceries alone just in the month. And it's just me, which is crazy. And I had cash that I was spending too. So that's a lot. That's a lot. And I definitely believe in food being something that you spend money on and that you should buy a high quality version of, but it's just really easy for me to like have it go completely unchecked and just buy everything I want, which is expensive stuff. Um, which is sad because I don't even buy, it's not like I'm buying fucking caviar and like whatever oysters or something. I'm literally just buying like the higher quality of eggs and milk and like pasture-raised meat and stuff like that. And that's the stuff that is better for you, but it's also the stuff that is a lot more expensive. So anyway, I'm at this Walmart buying basics like eggs and fruit and greens and yogurt and whatever, like just stuff that I can get through the week that will like keep me vaguely healthy and like I'm not going to want to shoot myself in the face because I'm eating the same thing every day like some form of variety but nothing crazy and I'm waiting to check out and this woman approaches me she's like middle-aged she looks kind of like she's not having the easiest time in her life but she has some stuff in her cart actually it's funny as she was walking up to me I saw in her cart, she had like a Walmart rotisserie chicken and I never buy those because there's a Publix like down the road and the Publix chickens are $2 more and they're so much better. And I just like, I don't know, Walmart's rotisserie chickens. I don't know. I just something about them. I'm like, I'm good. Um, she had a Walmart rotisserie chicken and I looked in her car. I'm like, ew, who buys those? Like just being judgmental secretly as I think most of us are. And she came up to me. She's like, miss, like, can I ask you a question? And of course I'm not going to be an asshole. So I'm like, okay. And she pretty much asked me if I could pay for her groceries, which was the worst timing, (laughs) like honestly the worst timing. And I felt so fucking guilty because I'm like, I had to check myself and I was like, okay, I am probably doing better than this woman. I can, I can just pay for it. It's fine. I'll just pay for it. And you know, of course I've spent money on stupider shit in the past, but like I'm at Walmart because I'm trying to save money too. Like I'm not even buying all this stuff that I want to buy. 
And I looked in her car and it wasn't like anything crazy. It was like some frozen dinners and like a really cheap chicken and just some basics like condiments and packaged foods and stuff came to like $55, I think like 60 bucks. Not bad. So in total, I spent $100 at the grocery store for my $40 uh, batch of food. And now in hindsight that it's been a few days, I'm happy I could help her. Like she genuinely was like, can you please just help me buy this food for me and my kid? She was talking to me about how she just got a job, but like she doesn't start till tomorrow. And she only had, she said like $5 in her bank account or something like that. I don't know what was true and what wasn't, but it's not like she was, you know, like she was literally buying a rotisserie chicken. Like you can't exchange that for something more illicit or something like that I'm not here to even judge what people spend their money on but I just felt so bad and my heart broke for her but I was like fuck (laughs) like god please like I don't know just allow me to not be in this state of feeling like I have to scrimp and save every penny and it just makes you realize how grateful it makes me realize how grateful I am for the times in my life where I haven't had to live in this way and haven't had to be, it's not that I have to, I'm just being smart right now, but it makes me grateful for the times where I have been able to like ball out a little bit. And all the times I haven't really thought that much about how much I was spending at the grocery store, which really was only in the last year, like through stripping that allowed me to have that mindset. And I really felt like when I was dancing, I really felt like the more money I spent, the more money I made. Honestly, it was some kind of energy push and pull. I swear to God, because every time I would go out and spend just stupid amounts of money on bullshit, I, I would make double that back. Like maybe it's cause I knew that I had to, but the problem is now I don't know how, which is, a dumb thing to say because I do know how like I could start writing again I could start pitching news outlets I could do that but it does feel like and maybe I'm just older now and I put the grunt work in for like a solid eight years so I don't want not even eight like 12 honestly but maybe now because I'm older and I've done that I don't want to do it again. I feel there's a sense of entitlement, I guess, but it does kind of feel like we have to work harder and harder for less and less. And maybe that's just my perspective, like from journalism, which is that the places I used to write for four years ago now pay less today than they did in 2018 which says something. It's not like the cost of living has gone down, but the workload versus the pay grade does not, it doesn't sync up. And I'm, I know I'm not the first person to say this, but there is like a general feeling, I think, of hopelessness that comes over you when you examine your options of work and you see like, okay, I will do this, but I'm going to be making less money than I did when I was 26 for the same job effect. And there's also the fact that I just don't really want to, I guess, or I don't know what capacity I want to do writing in again currently. I don't, I don't know. But regardless, at least for the most part, saving money has gone, it's gone, it's going okay. It's going fine. Does it feel a little bit pointless sometimes because money feels like it is fake and that's not a healthy perspective to have, but it is one that I do inevitably have and has my relationship to it been completely convoluted with the fact that I've gone through periods of time of having a lot of money and absolutely no money and somehow I'm still here? Yes, Um, it does feel a little bit pointless to be saving money, but it's also something that is giving me some form of mental reassurance, you know, like I just, I can't be out here with a child broke as fuck, um, with no prospects and no ability to go and work because I have a baby. So that brings me to my next 
point, something I want to talk about, I want to do a little mini book club because I've been reading something. Well, I've been listening to it on Audible, but when you listen to something on Audible, I think it counts as reading. Um, It's so strange to me how I used to sit down and read so many books and now I really just can't find the time to sit and read. I mean, I guess I could find it, but I just fall asleep. I swear to God, every time I actually read a real book, like I have to listen (laughs) Um, because my pea-sized brain now is just whatever. So anyway, I've been listening to this book on Audible called The Panic Years by Nell Frizzell, and it was recommended to me via the TikTok algorithm. I'm not going to lie to you and pretend that it was recommended to me from some super intellectual platform. But TikTok knows what's up. And as soon as I heard about it, I'm like, damn, this is literally the book for me because it's effectively about women in their late 20s to early 30s, aka the panic years, and what happens when people that you know start to peel off, get married, have kids, do the regular adult things, Sorry, I had to pause it for a second because someone drove by in a fucking slingshot, which is the most annoying vehicle known to man, blasting really annoying music. Very loud. Um, It's probably my baby daddy. But anyway, just kidding. I don't know who it was, and I hope it was not him. Um, The Panic Years pretty much caters to women in a state of seeing their friends and people around them, doing all of the things that you said you were going to do when you were an adult, marriage, kids, all that stuff. And I think my favorite point that it makes is when we hear about other women, she talks mainly about pregnancy, but I'm also going to lump marriage into there because she also talks about marriage a little bit, even though the book's very, very, very heavy handed about how she wants a child, um, which is fair enough. I mean, you only write a book when you feel heavy handed about something, I think, but it, it is, it is if you, if you don't want to read about babies if you don't if you're past the point of no like deciding to have a kid if you're in your 40s and you don't have kids or something like that I feel like this book would be probably the worst reading material ever but if you are undecided or you're in that stage and you feel this like pressure as a woman of knowing biologically that your quote-unquote internal clock or whatever biological clock is on a little time crunch, sort of. I hate to say that. I don't know how to say it, but we don't have all the time in the world as women. Like it's pretty fucking hard to get pregnant in your forties and your fifties. Obviously it does happen, but it's more dangerous and it's more complicated and whatever. They do classify everything over the age of 35 in America as a geriatric pregnancy, which isn't the most welcoming term for women thinking that they would like to start a family in their mid thirties, which seems fine to me starting a family in my mid thirties was honestly always my goal. That's kind of how I saw things shaking out and then they shook out differently. But the fact that you're called geriatric at 35 is enough to make you panic a little bit, I think. And if you're not in that stage of your life, I think this would be a terrible book for you. But if you are, one thing she talks about a lot is how one woman's pregnancy and again, or wedding, I'm going to say wedding too, because I think it's relevant, can feel like a robbery of your own where you hear about somebody that you know. And I'm not talking about like a random coworker that you don't know that well, or someone you went to high school with like years ago that you weren't that close with. I'm talking about your close friends and people you really see as your peers and people who you really feel like you're on the same page with in life. It can feel like a robbery of your own, which sounds trite and to any men listening to this can you just turn it off please (laughs) like please um but it, it sounds trite but I think it's true even though we we know that that's not the case it's not like there's a limited amount of pregnancies or a limited amount of husbands to go around but when you hear good news from one of your close friends it's hard to not internalize it and see your own timeline against theirs. And even if their marriage or their pregnancy is perfectly rational, like it's not like they're, you know, a teen bride or a teen mom or something like that. Even if it's perfectly rational and it fits within the normal timelines of adulthood, essentially, it's hard to not freak out about it. And 
I guess that comes down to the fact, and she talks about this, how we are pretty much conditioned to see other women's lives as a comment on our own. I'm not even sure how to follow that statement up because when I read it, I was like, that is so... I've never thought about it that way. And I'm not a jealous person. I'm not the type of person that's like in competition with my friends all the time. At least I I don't want to think about myself that way. And I think when I look back on some of my friendships, some of my closest friendships over the course of my life and people I'm not friends with anymore, I'm compelled to feel like they were in competition with me almost. I'm not sure if that's my own deflection, but... I am not like a competitive person when it comes to my close friends. I'm really not like at this point, I can't be Um, clear. Like I'm not, I can't, I'm not competing with someone who is married. I'm not like, I'm not competing. I mean, I didn't even want to have kids until honestly, like my mid thirties, maybe that's how I always thought. That's why I wasn't in a rush, but still the fact that, it is so subconscious that we see other people's lives as a comment on our own. It is so sad because not only was your best friend probably not thinking about you at all when she got engaged or pregnant or whatever, probably the last thing your friend is thinking about is her friend. Like she's thinking about her new life that she's starting. Um, It's not about us. It's not about you. And I just felt like that really shifted things into a new and welcome perspective for me. And I don't think it's possible to entirely take the competition, quote unquote. I I don't know why I keep saying quote unquote on this episode. I just feel like every word that I choose doesn't quite sum it up. But I don't think it's possible to fully take the competition, if that's what you want to call it, out of sisterhood. You know, like that kind of slightly competitive thing that inevitably exists whether you want it to or not between women you can choose to acknowledge it or not but it's there I think I don't believe that it's possible to fully remove that element from female friendships and dynamics I wish it was but I do think that reflecting on it in this book was if not informative, at least a bit satisfying, because it's just nice to know that like I'm not the only one who feels like they are losing their mind in their late 20s slash early 30s. Like as soon as I turned 30 a few months ago, I just felt like this pressure cooker was on me in a way that I hoped I wouldn't. Like that's why I rushed to buy my house right before I turned 30. Cause I was like, okay, if I don't have a husband or kids yet, at least I can have this. Like at least this will be my jumping off point And I still have a good few years where I can figure those other pieces out. But that was like, I, I was really hoping that the house would like eliminate some of that anxiety. And I don't, I can't really even tell you if it fully did because literally like two weeks after turning 30, I found out I was pregnant. Uh, Like not, I don't know, not two weeks, maybe like three, four, I don't know, but like almost right after. So I didn't have time to really sit with it, but I really, really felt that unraveling feeling of losing my fucking mind and trying to do the inevitable math that we all do as women of like, okay, if we date for two years and then we get married and then we can have a kid in one year and then I'll be 35. And that equation that I think has been running through our minds, most of our minds since we were like 16, whoever taught us that equation is so completely fucked in the head and I have absolutely no sympathy or remorse for them because I think I would be so much better off if I just never had that equation in my head. Not only has it forced me or compelled me to stay in relationships that were not right because I felt like, oh, well, I've already invested 
X amount of years into this person. So now if I have to upheave myself and invest into another person, the timeline is going to be wrong. Not only has it like been unhealthy in that way, but it's just a pressure cooker way way of thinking that it's almost funny when you can look at it from an outsider's perspective that we do this. And I'm saying we, because I know I'm not the only one who does this. It's almost funny, but when you're actually in it and when you're actually in those years of your late 20s and early 30s, it is the last thing from fucking funny because shit gets real really, really fast. The dating pool becomes uh, very shitty very quickly, I believe. It always has felt shitty to me, but I can't imagine it gets any fucking better as you get older as a woman. I mean, I feel like men always want younger women. So I can't imagine being like a single 30 something year old mom like I'm about to be and like having all these men throwing themselves at me like they did when I was in my 20s. Then again, it was the wrong type of men who were always throwing themselves at me. So maybe I'm going to weed out some of the fucking frogs. But also on the other hand of fertility and kids, like as you get older, the prospects also don't look that great either. You start to look at IVF and all of the money and emotional effort that is required to reproduce when you hit a certain age for some people. And some everyone's different. For some people, it's younger. 35 is a very arbitrary number. I have come to believe as I've done more research into it, it's kind of just like science sets guidelines for certain things just so they can have some ballpark of understanding. So 35 was kind of, it could have been 36. It could have been 37. I don't know. It it seems like an arbitrary number to me. I know women who've had kids naturally in their forties and their kids are perfectly healthy and fine. So everyone is different. I also know people in their twenties who can't have kids and they've been trying for years. It's hard to fucking know where you're going to fall, but maybe the worst part about it is like your brain. And I've only started recently thinking about this because I've been forced to deal with younger people like early 20s girls and people and I'm like why are you so fucking insane (laughs) like what is going on in your mind that makes you think that this is okay and people will whoever's listening to this might think that's a dig at them I don't know but when you're in your early 20s, like your cerebral cortex, the front of your fucking brain, whatever it's called, isn't even fully developed until you're 25 years old. You can't even fully process information and make fully informed decisions until you are 25 years old. So you really have, here I go with the equation again, but like you're not a fully functioning adult till you're 25. So you have between 25 and like 28 to sort through the sorting hat and like figure out what the fuck you want to do. If you want to have kids, if you want to get married and whatever, to give yourself a few cushion years to do whatever you need to do. But the fact that the window is so short, it's so short. When you look at a human life, like 80 years, you have a good five years of decision-making in you to pretty much determine the rest of your life. It's not funny. And it's not something that I would wish on anyone, but inevitably it's what all of our, all of us women, most of us, I think will be forced to deal with. So did I enjoy the panic years by Nell Frizzell? I haven't finished it yet. I have like five chapters left. Honestly, the second half has been pretty disappointing. It really does fixate on the fact that she really wanted a child and then did have a child when she was like 33 And it gets into kind of, it feels kind of like a white savior complex vibe in some points where she's like teaching in some border town and I don't know. Um, And she's describing all of her underprivileged students. Like I just couldn't really get through some parts. I don't know if that makes me a bad person. I just was like, this is not, this is not the self-relatable content I was looking for now. But no, um, the beginning was great. If you are in that stage and even if you're not going to read it, just take some reassurance in knowing that like this is a very 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 common phenomenon and there is something uniquely deranged about being a woman in your late 20s and early 30s and feeling like 
you are going to lose your fucking mind if you don't make a choice soon. So with that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. If anyone is interested, by the way, in like the baby info stuff, like with all the different clothes and strollers and accessories and equipment and stuff like that, I am not lying to you when I say I've probably done like a master's degree worth of research on this stuff. Um, Let me know because I would actually really love to make an episode about it. I just don't want to like bore people completely. So till next time, good morning if it's still morning where you are and good night.